How can we not live a transformed life if we know the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, let me encourage you to have your Bible open at the 19th chapter of Luke. A constant theme found in the Gospels is that those who had a real and saving encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ also experienced a very definite change in their lives. Some of those changes were, in some senses, perhaps more dramatic than others, but all were obvious, all were definite, and all were undoubtedly the outworking of Christ in their lives. For us in 21st century Britain, of course, the conditions and culture in which we live, well, they're very different to 1st century Palestine. Nevertheless, the fundamental nature in which Christ changes lives has not altered. And so as we read through these gospel accounts, it's a very reasonable thing to ask yourself this. Has something of this kind of change happened to me? Can something along these lines be seen in me? Last week we saw what happened to five men as Jesus called them to be part of the twelve who would become his inner circle of disciples. And they were challenged to decide and they did. They were committed to leave and they did. And they were called to follow and they did. This morning we're considering another man in markedly different circumstances to those who we saw last week. And we're going to conclude this evening by looking at the testimony of a woman who had an encounter with Christ. I'll leave you guessing. What I want to do this morning, first of all, we'll just very quickly walk through that narrative that we've just read, just so that we're understanding the story. It's fairly simple. It doesn't need a lot of explanation. But there are deeper lessons here that we can learn. And so then we're going to look at three lessons that we can draw out of this encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus on that day in Jericho. So the location is Jericho, uh, the, the place where those walls fell down in the Old Testament, now long been rebuilt. It's a thriving and prosperous city in New Testament days. It's located on the edge of the Jordan Valley. It's uh, on a road, a, a fairly major road that leads up into the hills where Jerusalem is located. Now, as the crow flies, Jerusalem's only about 12 miles from Jericho, but the road is considerably longer as you make the ascent up through the hills, a winding road, uh, a, a really good workout to walk from Jericho up to Jerusalem in the hill country to the west. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, when he gets there, that will be his final week that he is alive before he's crucified. And Jesus is passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. And perhaps this will be the only opportunity that Zacchaeus will have to catch a glimpse of this man he's heard so much about. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. And not just any tax collector. He's the head of the city tax office. 
and he collects taxes for the Romans so the Jews don't like him very much, verse 7. Like most tax collectors in his day, I'll leave you to judge for those of today, but like most tax collectors in his day, he was a cheat and an extortioner. And he was undoubtedly both proud and greedy. I wonder if I asked you to sum up in just three words someone who you know well, how you would manage to do it. Luke manages to do it for Zacchaeus without any hesitation whatsoever. Zacchaeus is summed up in three words. He was rich. That is Zacchaeus. That is his life. That is his goal. That is his thrill. That is his motive. That is his goal and object in life. He was rich. That's the man. His riches were his life. And his life was about accumulating riches. But this day was an unusual day for Zacchaeus. Something moved him, perhaps in a way that he'd never been moved before. He was moved to inquire. And for the man that he was, he went to considerable lengths in order to make his inquiry. I'm sure this behaviour for Zacchaeus on this day was probably quite out of character for him. As he runs and climbs up the tree along the road which Jesus will walk along, given the layout of the city and he knows where Jesus is heading. He can work out where Jesus is going to be in a few minutes' time or in half an hour's time. And verses 3 and 4 tell us he runs ahead, he climbs up the tree and he waits. <clears throat> and eventually Jesus reaches that tree where Zacchaeus is perching and Jesus knows that he's there. And, verse 5, he knows exactly who he is. He speaks to him by name. And he invites himself into the home of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, we see, is overwhelmed with joy. But all of the neighbours have the opposite reaction in verses 6 and 7. Now, at the end of verse 7, if you were making a film version of this, you'd probably see a shot of Jesus from the back walking through the front door of the house of Zacchaeus. And then the picture would blur and a little caption would come up across the bottom of the screen some time later, dot, dot, dot. We don't know how much time later. But some time later, Zacchaeus is standing in front of Jesus at verse 8. And Jesus makes a very simple explanation in verse 9 of the statement that Zacchaeus comes out with in verse 8. Salvation has come to this house. So it's a simple story with a remarkable conclusion. Now what lessons can we learn 
that are lessons for us today from the story of Zacchaeus. Well, let's put it under three headings. And here's the first. Jesus sought out Zacchaeus. That's S-O-U-G-H-T, not S-O-R-T. Jesus sought out Zacchaeus. Now we can speculate all day as to what it was that drove Zacchaeus to go and see who Jesus was. You can discuss that till the cows come home. The Bible actually doesn't tell us. We need to be careful not to try and say too much where the Bible has stayed silent. But I think we're on safe ground, I think, to suggest that God, by his Holy Spirit, has been provoking and prompting Zacchaeus. How? Why? We don't know. Have there been events and circumstances that have recently taken place in the life of Zacchaeus that's got him thinking, maybe. But whatever it was, this man just knows, I need to find out more about this Jesus. And so he runs and climbs up his tree. Now, whatever it was that was going on in the life and heart and mind of Zacchaeus, the single thing which made the biggest difference to how the rest of that day was unfold, would unfold is that Jesus sought him. Because as Jesus got to the tree where Zacchaeus was sitting, Jesus stopped. Jesus looked. Jesus saw. And Jesus called Zacchaeus didn't do anything. He was just sitting there. But Jesus approached him. The Son of Man, Jesus says himself in verse 10, has come to seek. And Jesus was seeking in Jericho that day. And he sought out Zacchaeus. The seeking of Christ is not futile. The seeking that Christ does never has an uncertain outcome. Jesus knows all whom the Father has given to him. And as he draws close to that tree in Jericho, he knows that in its branches is sitting one of his own. And there's no way that Jesus is going to miss him. Found you, Zacchaeus. You're next. Come down. We've business to do at your house. Christ sought him. Now, if Jesus had not done that, what would have happened next? If Jesus had not done that, how would that day have ended for Zacchaeus, I wonder? What would become of Zacchaeus if Jesus had not stopped? If Jesus had not seen? If Jesus had not called. Now Zacchaeus had played some small part. But it was because Christ was seeking him. That Zacchaeus' life was about to be transformed. The prerequisite to being transformed by Jesus. Is that he first seeks you out just like he did his disciples in chapters one and two of mark's gospel and do you see that whilst jesus isn't rude 
He doesn't ask for permission. There's a quiet authority in the voice of Jesus. And it's not Zacchaeus, may I? It's Zacchaeus. You need to get down from there because I'm coming. I mentioned the other week about that verse in Revelation chapter 3. Standing at the door and knocking. That, that's not a gospel verse. That's not what Jesus does. He doesn't go up to Zacchaeus' house and stand on the door and say, Zacchaeus, if you'd be ever so kind, might you let me in? Zacchaeus, get down. I am coming to your house. And of course, Zacchaeus is overjoyed. Because that's what happens in this exchange with Christ and sinners, you see. Who's a Christian here who's annoyed that Christ broke into your life without asking you? Any got, anyone got any complaints that he did that? Of course not. You're overjoyed that he did. And Zacchaeus was. I've been pondering that phrase, <clears throat> I must stay at your house. I wonder, should, should we be seeing more in that little phrase than simply Jesus inviting self himself into the home of Zacchaeus is that a hint of what is coming next because Jesus is going to stay in that home in a way that Zacchaeus can't possibly imagine Jesus is going to stay in that home long after he's left Jericho I suspect we're not supposed to read that into those words to be honest but it's tantalizing to think that perhaps we could. Zacchaeus, I've, I'm going to stay in your house. Zacchaeus, I'm really going to stay in your house. Is that your experience and testimony as a Christian? Christ really has come and stayed. And Jesus has found his intended target in Jericho. He always does. And the life of Zacchaeus is about to be transformed beyond belief. Jesus has come to seek. Jesus knows those he's seeking. And on that day, Zacchaeus is next. And if you're a Christian, one day he found you, didn't he? Amazing love we sing. How can it be for, oh my God, it found out me. It's wonderful. Each believer here this morning, personally sought out by the Lord Jesus Christ, as certainly as he appeared before Zacchaeus on that road in Jericho, as certainly as he appeared at the lakeside in Galilee when he called those disciples, as certainly as he appeared as a light in the sky and called Saul of Tarsus as he was making his, his way to Damascus. The Lord Jesus Christ seeks out his own. And that's why he can say with, so, with such confidence, I will build my church. Because it's not down to you finding me. I'm going to come and find you. I'm going to come and seek you and find you and I'm going to save you. That's the message of the gospel. What a difference that should make in how we treat one another. 
What a difference that should make in how we speak about one another. We're all found ones by Christ. And perhaps even today, perhaps even today here, someone will, will be visited by Christ for the very first time and he will seek you out. And how we should pray for that every Lord's Day when we meet. How we should pray for that every Friday evening when BBB and Impact are taking place. That Christ will seek out his own and find them and save them. And if you are one of the found ones, you can never be the same again, can you? You can't. Because we see that Zacchaeus, secondly, is a sinner saved. He's a sinner saved. Now the people, when they say about Zacchaeus in verse 7, that he's a sinner, of course they're correct. Where they're wrong, of course, is that their own estimation of themselves is that they're not sinners or at least they're certainly not in the same league as men like Zacchaeus. Where Jesus says in verse 10 that he's come to seek and to save the lost also reminds me a little bit of um, something that he said in Matthew's gospel in chapter 9 from verse 12. Uh, We read these words there. Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Well, what's Jesus saying there in Matthew 9? Well, it's all very straightforward, isn't it? It's those who know they are ill who go to the doctor. And all of us have this disease of the soul called sin, but many deny it. And they insist that they're in fine shape, thank you very much. Accordingly, they don't turn to Jesus because they don't think they need him. They're sure they have no need of him. The reality is that they're terminally ill. But they're convinced that they're not. They're utterly convinced of their own self-righteousness. And they see and feel no need for the one who is the physician of souls. I don't need him. And so they never turn to him. Maybe that's you this morning. But there are others, you see, and they come under a deep conviction of sin. They recognize that they're in desperate need of help. And it's they who, like Zacchaeus, see their need to seek him out. I must find out this Jesus and in doing that they are found by Christ. It's they who Jesus calls to repentance and it's those who being his sheep who hear his voice and follow him. Well that was in Matthew and here in Luke 19 you see it's those who feel the crushing sense of their lostness who Christ saves. It's those who feel their separation and their alienation from God because of their sin. It is these who Christ seeks. It's these who Christ saves. Men like Zacchaeus. And that's why Jesus speaks so scathingly to men like the Pharisees. Because they see no need of him. 
We're fine without you. Thank you very much indeed. But Christ comes and seeks and saves those who know they're lost in their sin. Lost sinners convinced of their lostness. Lost sinners convinced of their sin. It's these who Christ is seeking and saving. And in gospel preaching, the gospel is not being preached if these kinds of truths are not being made clear to people. Well, we're talking about transformed lives. And you see, it's those who, like Zacchaeus, have turned from their sin to embrace and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord who have their lives transformed by Christ's power and grace. I wonder, has that, has that happened to you? Because we can say without any doubt whatsoever that that is what has happened to Zacchaeus that day. Zacchaeus has been saved from his sin. Zacchaeus has been forgiven his sin. Christ has saved him. Salvation has come to this house, says Jesus. Salvation has come to the soul of Zacchaeus. And salvation is always by means of faith in Christ. And it's only by means of faith in Christ. And we know that Zacchaeus has been granted the gift of faith that day. Some of you might be thinking, well, how do we know that? Because the word faith doesn't appear in the text. How can we say with such certainty that faith has come to Zacchaeus that day? Well, we know because of what Jesus said in the second half of verse 9. Zacchaeus is declared by Jesus to be a son of Abraham. What Jesus means by that is that Zacchaeus is a true son of Abraham. In other words, it's a, he's a true and genuine one. He's a true and genuine Israelite in that sense. He truly is one of God's own people. And we know that by using the Bible to explain the Bible. That, that's what we do. We use the Bible to explain the Bible. When Jesus calls Zacchaeus the son of Abraham, what does he mean? Well, we just turn to Galatians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul gives us a very clear answer. Galatians 3, beginning at verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the spirits to you and works miracles among you, Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith Preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, we who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Verse 22. But the scripture has confined all under sin, 
that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All of that has become true for Zacchaeus that day. Jesus can't possibly call him a son of Abraham if he doesn't have faith. He's been brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a son of Abraham is to have something that is to have become something that you never were before. According to Paul in Galatians chapter 3, is to have become a child of God. Abraham became a Zacchaeus became a child of God that day in, in Jericho. God met with Zacchaeus that day and granted him the gift of faith that he might trust in Christ. God visited Zacchaeus that day by his Holy Spirit and changed him. He was born again that day by faith in Christ. Salvation has come to this house. And thirdly, that salvation is confirmed. And we see that story, that we see that salvation confirmed in two ways. First of all, the salvation of Zacchaeus is confirmed by the fact that an immediate change takes place in his life. Now, the degree of change that God might bring in the life of a sinner who's come to Christ, that degree of change will vary at times from one believer to another we don't all become clones of one another but it's impossible to have been born again of God's spirit it's impossible to have repented of your sins it's impossible to have trusted in Christ it's impossible to have received his life and not be changed you can't have those things happen to you and stay the same it just does not happen you change you're made new you become a new creature. You're made alive. The old is gone. All of these different uh, pictures and phrases that the Bible uses to speak of someone who's come to Christ. It's impossible for you not to change. It doesn't happen. And the change in Zacchaeus begins immediately. And it's significant. And you can see that he straight away, straight away, wants to do as much as he can to put right all the wrongs that he's committed in his life as a cheating, thieving tax collector. His sin now shames him. His ruthless exploitation of the people disgusts him. And he must do everything that he can to make amends. 
His desires now have completely changed. His desires are towards godliness. His desires are towards righteousness. His desires are towards living as a man of integrity in Jericho. And now he wants to do that which is right in the sight of God. He has a concern for these people now that he never had before. And it's happened within a matter of hours because he's met Christ and been saved. This man's salvation is real. And his new nature and his new conduct are the proof of it. And it's interesting to note that it's after verse 8 that Jesus brings his own second confirmation of the salvation that has come to Zacchaeus. Now it's not that this new resolve that Zacchaeus has found has earned his salvation. It's not that this newfound resolve in Zacchaeus is contributing towards his salvation. But these plans for what he's going to do with his money to put right all of his wrongdoing, they are the living proof that his salvation is real. In waiting until after Zacchaeus has made his statement in verse 8, Jesus is highlighting the point that when salvation comes, it brings change like this. It's his explanation for what has happened to this once rogue of a man. Salvation has done this. Salvation is doing this. Salvation looks like this in the life of one who was a sinner. Just like James argues so powerfully in his letter towards the end of the Bible that faith without works is dead. It's no faith at all if it doesn't change you. A profession of faith with no visible change is a false declaration. Jesus knows the heart of Zacchaeus. Jesus has heard this man's confession. Jesus sees this man's transformed life. True salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus. And Jesus really is going to stay there. He's going to stay there in the heart of heart and soul of this transformed man. And Jesus is going to stay in Jericho as the life of this man, Zacchaeus, continues to impact upon all the residents of that city in a way they could never imagine. So the life of Zacchaeus was transformed that day because Jesus sought and found him. Perhaps there's someone here this morning and you know, you know in your soul that Christ is seeking you. You know you need to respond. You know you need to get that sorted out. Do it this morning before you leave. If you've no one else to talk to, come and talk to me. Do it this afternoon if you need to go and find somewhere quiet. But do it today. Zacchaeus was transformed because he was a sinner saved from sin who placed his faith in Christ to become a true son of Abraham and to be called a child of God. Are you? You can be. And if all of that is genuine, 
then you cannot help but show it as your life is transformed by God's love and God's grace and God's power which now courses through your very soul. So be a Zacchaeus. Reach out to your brethren in the church and go out into the world in which we live and in your life as Christ enables you let people see that in Christ and by Christ and for Christ you too have been transformed.